The Old Testament reading for today is from Isaiah chapter 40. And if you studied Isaiah, the first 39 chapters are really bleak because they, um, Isaiah speaks about how, how the children of Israel are going to go into bondage and into slavery. But then when you get to chapter 40, he turns around and God gives him the words about comfort and how he's going to send someone that will save them. So this is found on page 714 of the church Bibles in your, in your seats. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken, a voice cries, says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. The epistle reading now is from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 14, and it's found on page 1206 in the Church Bibles. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have now been born of God. This is how we know who the children are. I'm in 1st John. <laughs> that doesn't work. 2nd <laughs> Peter 3, verses 8 through 14. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. 
The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Our gospel reading for today is from Mark 1, verses 1 through 8. That's found on page 990 in the Church Bibles. And out of respect for the gospel, please rise. Thank you. John the Baptist prepares the way. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Here ends the gospel, and remain standing Thank you. God's grace, God's mercy, and his peace daily, morning by morning, all through the day. These are yours through your Lord and your Savior, Jesus. We're going to look at the gospel lesson for this morning. I'd like to again just bring up from uh, Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 4. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Kind of a tough question to start with, but what do you do after you have sinned? You know, um, when I first came to Holy Cross Lutheran Church in St. Cloud, way back in 1979, there was a retired pastor there by the name of Vic Osterman. 
a great man who mentored me and taught me a lot. I soon learned that whenever Vic came into my office, it's because he wanted to teach me something. Well, this was uh, shortly uh, after coming there, oh, a couple years into it, and, and the congregation was doing okay, and they decided that they needed to add a little bit of staff, and so we, we were going to call what's called a vicar. A vicar is a, a young man who is studying to become a pastor. Vicarage is his third year. It's an internship, his third year of his seminary training. Finishes up, goes back to the sem for one more year, and then he can be ordained and, and become a pastor. And, and so I was talking with Pastor Osterman about how do you supervise a vicar? And he was sharing with me some of his experience and wisdom, and he said this one thing to me that really stuck and made a lot of sense. He said, you know, when a, shortly after the vicar comes, I visit with him and I tell him this. I tell him, you know what, you're going to make mistakes this year. And that's okay. That doesn't concern me that you're going to make mistakes. What I'm interested in is what you do after you make a mistake. So now I'm, I'm back to you with the question that I put to you earlier. What do you do after you've sinned? You know, we do more than just make mistakes, don't we? We, we sin, and, and not that that's okay. It's not. But what's important is what we do after we sinned. So what do you do after you've sinned? If honesty prevails amongst us, I think there's four common responses that you and I do after we sin. We deny it. We minimize it. We try to cover it up. Or we blame someone else. Now think back to the last time you broke one of God's commands and, and wronged someone. Which of those four did you do? Were you a little bit like Adam and Eve? What did they do? Once they sinned, they blamed somebody else for their sin, didn't they? Adam said, Eve gave me the apple. Eve said it was the devil who made me do it. Is that what you did? pointed the finger of blame at, at someone else. My namesake, King David, he tried to cover it up, didn't he? And to cover it up, he had Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, killed. Now, I, I doubt that you went to that extreme that David went to to cover up his sin, but is that what you did when you sinned last time? You know, the men who came to Jesus who wanted to stone that woman who was caught in adultery. They minimized their own sin, didn't they? They didn't, they didn't think their sin was bad at all. And, and Jesus laid that reality on them by simply saying to them, now if you're without sin, you go ahead and cast the first stone. Is that what you did? Kind of minimize your sin by comparing it to someone else's Sin to make you look not so much like a sinner? Or did you just plain deny it? Kind of like what the older brother in the parable that Jesus told of the prodigal son did. Oh, he was quick to point out his younger brother's sins, wasn't he? But when it came to his own, without batting an eye, he looks at his dad and he says, all these years I have been slaving for you. Now, listen, 
and never disobeyed your orders. Complete denial of ever having done anything wrong. We deny it. We minimize it. We try to cover up. We blame someone else. And we get nowhere. The sin is still there. The guilt is still there. And, and as the guilt lingers, it destroys. It's a dead end, each one of these four responses to sin. A dead end that just leads to more shame and leads to broken relationships. Especially, it leads to a broken relationship with our God. Do you see how important it is? What we do after we've sinned? And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And, and with his coming, people like you and me were given a new way to respond to the fact that we've sinned. And unlike the other ways of responding to sin, this way works and this way heals, and this way restores. It's called repentance. It's owning what we've done, honestly saying that we are sorry for what we've done, and asking the person to whom we've done it to that they would please forgive us. Isn't that what we need to do after we've sinned? Isn't it to repent? To sincerely say, not just I'm sorry. That's only gets you halfway there. I'm sorry. And then acknowledge that you've really offended them by saying, and will you forgive me? Can I tell you something? Something that's good news that will bring a whole lot of peace and comfort to your heart. This, this thing that we need to do when we've sinned, to repent, to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? It's not something that we have to come up with on our own and do on our own. God gives it to us as a gift. Listen to a couple of Bible passages which clearly state that repentance is a gift from God to us. Acts chapter 5, verses 30 and 31. This is Peter, and he's speaking to the high priest after they've arrested him and some other apostles for preaching and teaching about Jesus. And it says this, The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, now listen carefully, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to his people. And then there's Romans chapter 2 verse 4 where Paul affirms that repentance is a gift from God that he gives to us 
through what he does for us, especially by sending us Jesus. It says there, or do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance? Let's see this truth in the message of John the Baptist. It's a two-point message that he has. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. What is it that enables us to acknowledge our sin, to own our sin, and to come to God with our sin? It is the fact that he promises to forgive us our sin when we come to him. Without that promise, we'd never want to fess up, would we? Nor could we. But the promise to forgive us, that promise of forgiveness opens the door for us. And it not only opens the door for us, but it prompts us to go through the door and to come to our Heavenly Father and confess our sin and ask his forgiveness. Much like back to the parable of the prodigal son, what was it that brought the younger son to come to his dad and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you? Other than that, he remembered how much his, his father loved him. That's what moved him to say, to come and confess his sin. And as it says in 1 John chapter 1, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then John goes on to say a few words later, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And soon after John came, Jesus would follow. And he would live the sinless life that God demanded of us all. And he would die the sinless death that God demanded for payment for our sin. And he would rise again to close the deal, making forgiveness the action that God will take every time we sin and every time we come and confess it to him, every time he will take this action, he will forgive us of all our sins. As Paul wrote in Ephesians, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Hard words to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Don't wait. Don't delay. That person that you sinned against this week, go to them. Speak those words. Say those words. Mean those words. 
especially go to your heavenly Father and say those words and speak those words. That's what we need to do after we've sinned. Because after we've sinned, we need to be forgiven. And that's what God will do. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.